Hello and welcome from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. This podcast you're about to hear was recorded at our Burugun campus. So sit back, relax, and enjoy what God has to say to you. I think it's obvious that we need to be open to the victory of the Spirit, but many, many times we are not. I think we need to be open to learning the right lessons in life. Uh, I grew up with, uh, I was going to say big fat Greek mama, but uh, I better not say that. Um, And uh, she taught us some lessons in life. And so my mother taught me about prayer. She said, you better pray that that stain will come out of the carpet. (laughs) She taught me about logic. Because I said so, that's why, she said. She taught me about irony, and she said, keep crying, I'll give you something to cry about. (laughs) She taught us about the circle of life. I brought you into this world, and I can take you out. (laughs) She also taught us about anticipation. Just wait until we get home. (laughs) She taught us about humor. When that lawnmower cuts off your leg, don't come running to me. And she taught us about justice. One day you'll have kids and I hope they turn out just like you. (laughs) How rude, mom. Learned lessons about life. But in that next slide, we've also learned some lessons about war. Or have we? If you look at the First World War, there were some 16 million people killed worldwide in that war. 61,620 Australians killed in that First World War between 1914 and 1921. And then there were close to 40,000 Australian soldiers killed in World War II. And after that, uh, the rough estimation is that there have been about 104,000 people, men and women killed at war, uh, those who are from Australia. But I want to talk about another war this morning, the war of the heart, the war that tugs away at us, the war that is between two natures, the human nature which leads us and pulls us towards sin, but then also the Holy Spirit that is in our hearts that leads us toward holy living. You see, the nature that we have is our position that pulls us away. I've given you the illustration before. If you were to go to the the beach, if I were to go to Cottesloe with my family and we plant the umbrella in, in the sand, I'd need to say to my son, son, constantly be looking up to see where the umbrella is because by nature the ocean will take you away and you'll by nature drift away. That's the current that takes you away. Look up, son, you'll see one big fat walrus under the umbrella called your dad. Come back to where you're supposed to be. Our position draws us away. Our disposition is to come back to God so we can focus on who he is. And the Holy Spirit is the one that prompts us for holy living. Well, the passage is Galatians chapter five, verses 16 to 23. 
Paul writes and he says, so I say walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. You see, there is indicative and imperative. You walk by the spirit, indicative, what's the outcome? You won't do the things of the flesh. Verse 17, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other that you're not to do whatever you want. But if you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. The acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discourse, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. If you've been to the movies, you'll see that uh, there, there is often, uh, you know, the depiction of the, the angel on the one shoulder and the devil on the other shoulder. The, the angel says, no, don't do that. The devil says, do it. It's, it'll be good for you. Remember, Jesus was taken up onto the hill, the top of the mountain, and he was uh, tempted by the evil one. To, and the devil said to him, listen, if you bow down to me, uh, you can have everything you like. And so it's often that temptation that you and I are faced with. But folk, somebody gave me a compass just two weeks ago, and I thought, wow, that's interesting. The compass in our lives should always bring us back to true north. His name is Jesus. No matter which way we turn, north is still north if you turn it the right way. <laughs> and so north apparently is that way, that way. No matter which way I turn, north is still that way. And so uh, God is constantly calling us to come back to himself, despite my circumstances, despite my situations. And so to, to be called people of God so we can come back to him. And folk, when there is sin in our lives, we become the most miserable of people because we are not facing who we're supposed to be facing so we can have him in our hearts and in our minds. And so when we come to Christ, it doesn't all end there or it doesn't all begin there. There's still a war going on in our hearts. And so this morning, I want to share three points with you, three truths that will allow us to be open to the victory of the Spirit. Number one, understand that there is a war going on. And Paul says that in verses 16 and 17. And he says, so I, will walk by the so I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit. There is a war going on. Don Francisco says, there's a war within my heart. It's tearing me apart. It's a war between two kingdoms and two masters. One of them must win. The other must give in. Jesus must be Lord of all. You see, uh, we are not on a holiday when we come to faith in Christ and everything just all pans out. No, there is a spiritual war taking place. And it's warfare uh, between uh, the, the, the world, the devil, and the flesh. There's a constant tension. Uh, firstly, with you know, tension with the world. In 1 John 2.15, John writes and he says, and, and we are encouraged, he says, do not love the world or anything in the world. The word world, 
the word world there, cosmos, uh, is not kind of the people, because we know in John 3, 16, uh, Jesus, or God says, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God loves people, but he does not want us to hold on to the things of this world. Cosmos, things that are alienated from God. He does not want us to hold on to that. 1 John uh, 2.16 is profound in the area of, of being able to realize that there is a war taking place because he says that, that the lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, and the pride of life are the things that isolate us from Jesus, the things that draw us close. You see, the world says, listen, do it this way and you'll be cool. But God says, no, it's not cool to be part of that setup. It's not cool to be part of those who are led away from God. Remember my mom saying, but you know, when we used to say, but mom, everybody's doing it. Everybody's doing it. She'd say, well, you know, and you'll remember, she used to respond, if everybody jumps off a cliff, would you follow? Remember that? Funny enough, we sang that to our son. <laughs> Dad, mom, everybody's doing it. Everybody's got one. Well, because everybody's got one doesn't mean it's right. Don't go to the things that alienate us from God, the world. Secondly, the devil. We know that since the beginning, the devil uh, has been tempting people to rebel against God, to have this, this attitude of apathy, not passion, but eh. You know, this beautiful Greek word, eh. You know, no, it, it's, it's, this, it's this apathy that says, Anything goes. In fact, you know what? Nothing goes. And so Satan tempts us, you know, to the pleasures of this world. Jesus was tempted, but he overcame. And so God is calling us to overcome. See, some people think, well, you know, that the, the devil on the one side and the angel on the other side. We can never compare the devil to God. For God is omniscient, meaning all-knowing. He is omnipresent. He is everywhere. He is omnipotent, all-powerful. That's not Satan. That's not the devil. He comes, and we have a choice to make, to turn away from him. He's a fallen angel, and he's got this organized, uh, demonized army that comes and knocks on our heart's door to lead us away. We have a choice to make, to give in to that or to carry on in the spiritual things. And so he comes, creates war, the world, the devil, but also with reference to the flesh. <laughs> I remember the late great cricketer, Hansi Cronier, when they asked him, why did you take bribes? He said, the devil made me do it. And folk, you hear that in our courts all the time. You know, people are asked, why did you do that? Why did you commit that crime, that murder? I don't know, the devil made me do it. Well, friends, when we uh, give in to the sinful nature, that's the outcome uh, of what will happen. The Bible says in James 1, 13 and 14, when tempted, the word tempted there, birazo, which comes um, where we get the English word pyro, something with fire. When the heat is turned on, when you're tried and tested, birazo, 
No one should say God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when his own evil desire, that word evil, evil desire, epithemia, not just remembering, epi meaning deep, cutting right through uh, that craving, that lust, that, that desire for what is forbidden is what that verse means and that word. Listen, when you give in, to your evil desire, you're dragged away and enticed. The word enticed there has got a beautiful picture of uh, when you go fishing, you don't just drop the hook in the water. You put some bait on it so you can entice the fish to come and bite the hook. You allure them to, your, to that hook. And that's what he's saying there. Listen, be careful when the heat is turned on that we don't get dragged away um, by something that, will, uh, that is evil and that will tempt us, that will alienate us from God because we are giving in to that sinful nature. But once you learn, you have victory over that sinful nature, you can hold on to the things of God. And there's a war going on. John Piper says it this way, a Christian is not a person who experiences no bad desires. A Christian is a person who's at war with those desires. Conflict in your soul is not all bad. There is something worse than the war within between uh, flesh and spirit, namely no war within, no war within because the flesh controls all the outposts of the spirit. Praise God for the war within. The spirit has landed to do battle with the flesh. So take heart in your soul uh, when it feels like a battlefield is at work. The sign of whether you're indwelt by the Spirit is not that you have no bad desires, but that you are at war with them. And so understand that there is a war taking place. Secondly, decide which nature controls you. Decide which nature controls you. And so many people go to war uh, and they realize this is a, a battle that will never win. It's unwinnable, as it were. Why? Because we give in. When we have freedom in Christ, we can actually choose the nature that controls us. Paul writes to the Romans, and he says in Romans 6, verses 12 to 14, Therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body. That word reign has got to do with kingdom. Don't let that the, the, the evil one become king in your life. Don't let him govern or rule your life. Why? Because you have a choice to make. When temptation comes, and that's not the sin, it's when temptation comes to our heart's door and we open up our heart's door to the evil one, he comes and uh, he leads us uh, because we have made that choice to allow him to come in. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires, that would obey, that you listen and you hearken, and you basically bow the knee to the evil desires of the evil one. Do not offer, offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God. The word offer there, present yourself before God. Come before him and say to him, Lord, here I am. Here I am. And Lord, use me for your honor and for your glory. You see, the old sinful nature <laughs> never changes. It never changes. It can't be uh, reformed. But what happens is uh, that we become more effective by allowing the spirit to come in. 
Now, folks, there are some people who say, well, you know, empty yourself out with all the junk before the good comes in. It will never happen when you empty yourself with all the junk because junk constantly comes in. But when you fill yourself up with the Spirit of God, automatically that junk has to go. Since the beginning, there was murder. Remember Cain killed his brother. I love Genesis 4, 7. It says, and this is a warning to you and I, sin is crouching, the word crouching, it's lurking, it's sitting, it's resting right there, waiting at your door. It desires, it longs for what? To have you, but you must master it. You've got to rule over it. You've got to have dominion over it. You've got to have power over it. Jeremiah says in Jeremiah 79, the heart is deceitful about, above all things. Who can fathom it? Who can fathom it? We have a choice to make. I didn't plan to give you the story, but let me read it to you. Cows don't give milk. A father used to say to his children when they were young, when you all reach the age of 12, I will tell you the secret of life. One day when the oldest turned 12, he anxiously asked his father, what was the secret of life? Father replied that he was going to tell him that he should not reveal it to his brothers. The secret of this life is this, the cow does not give milk. What are you saying? Asked the boy. As you hear it, son, the cow does not give milk. You have to milk it. You have to get up at four in the morning, go to the field, walk through the coral full of nature, the corral full of manure, <laughs> uh, tie the tail, hobble the legs of the cow, sit on the stool, place the bucket, and do the work yourself. That's the secret of life. Spiritualize this if you don't mind. The secret of life, secret of our spiritual life, is not to just do nothing but to invite the spirit in and we have a choice to make. Because of that inner battle that takes place, we can give in to the one nature or we can ask the Holy Spirit to come in and fill us afresh. Paul says that there are the works of the flesh and he lists them in that next slide for us and he, he breaks them down into four categories there. And he says, there they are, the sexual ones, the, the ones about religion, society, and alcohol. We know them so well. He says, the works of the flesh, the toil, the deeds, the doing, the labor of the flesh. The word flesh there, those things that are of the human nature. But folk, when we become Christians, there is a spiritual element to it. And he says, but these are the fruit of the Spirit. In that next slide, you can see them, folk. It's not fruits, but fruit of the Spirit. It's singular, singular, fruit, karpos. And he says that these are the work or the deeds or the profit of the Spirit. And their Spirit is not with a small s talking about my Spirit, but capital S, the Spirit of the true and living God. And then he talks, gives us uh, them in three categories, our relationship to God, our relationship to others, and our relationship to self. And so we have a choice to make. We have a choice to make. There are many who come to Christ and say, well, you know, now that I'm a Christian, why is life harder? Well, welcome to the spiritual battle that's taking place. Because no one wants you to go to an eternity that is in the presence of God. There is a battle that's taking place and we can submit to the evil one 
and be cool and do what everybody else does, or we can submit to the things of God and invite him to come and fill us. And then thirdly, we need to be open to the victory of the Spirit when we surrender to the Holy Spirit. As we surrender to him, the battle between those two wills begins to take place and we begin to fill ourselves with the things of God and we say what Jesus said, not my will, but your will be done. And we begin to, to overcome because he never leaves us nor forsakes us. And folk, I cannot fathom that, that God promises never to leave me nor forsake me. Family, friends, promises that are made, leave, forsake, abandon, but the true and living God who put creation into being promises never to leave us nor forsake us. Praise God for Philippians 2.13. Paul writes and he says, for it is God who works in, not with or for me, but in me to will and to accept and to act according to his good purpose. That word, his good purpose, to his pleasure, to his delight, to his satisfaction. But he says there's one important secret here, and that is to live, live. Galatians 5.16, live in the spirit. You will not gratify the cravings of the flesh. That word live, I love the King James translation. It actually says walk in the spirit. Peripateo, peripateo, walk. It's not something that you do uh, on your couch. <laughs> you can't live or walk in the spirit on your couch for example, you've got to get on your two by twos because it's a verb. It actually says walk. That word means to walk, to regulate one's life, to conduct oneself, and to pass the test. Why? Because Christ is in us. And that's the command to every Christian, to walk in the Spirit. It's a growing experience. In the beginning, uh, when, when our little son, uh, I can't remember, close to 12 months uh, started to walk, we'd all get down on our knees and say, come Sonny, and Maria would allow him to walk and, and slowly he'd like start walking and fall down and then eventually he'd get up and walk like a little Frankenstein, you know, when they start off in the beginning and, you know, and then, yeah, rejoice. But there would be more falls than walking. Eventually, as he got older, he started walking more than falling. Now he runs so I can't catch him. <laughs> but friends, that's how it is in the spiritual experience. So as we come to him, we become a fitter as it were because we are allowing him to fill us and to lead us more and more in the things of the spirit. Now clearly, <laughs> I need to end off with a prop. Uh, yep. There is a beautiful vacuum cleaner here. It's plugged in. It'll never work until we switch it on and receive the power to do the job, no matter how beautiful or how ugly a vacuum cleaner is. And so that's how it is, folk. We can come, and I see it's turned upside down. <laughs> it's never gonna function, it's not on never gonna function, it's not turned the right way around. Enough now. Get the point. It's 
not enough to just be plugged in. We need to be switched on. We need to make a choice. Switch it on. We can walk around like this all day long. I'm a Christian, I'm a Christian, and not live a life of victory. Or we can make that decision to say, Lord, help us. We desperately need you. We desperately need you. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word to our hearts. Lord, we know that it's not by might nor by power, but only by your Holy Spirit that we can live lives that are characterized by victory. Lord, like any parent does not take delight when their child fails at something, Lord, so you don't take delight when we fail in our spiritual journey with you. So we come to you, Lord. We come to you and we pray that you will help us, that you will guide us, that you will lead us for your honor and for your glory. Help us, Lord, we pray. In Jesus' name. We hope you enjoyed this podcast brought to you from Mount Pleasant Baptist Church. Our prayer is that what was said today inspires you and strengthens you in your faith. If you would like to talk to someone about what you've heard today, you can contact the team during office hours on the number you can find on our website at mounties.org.au. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to having your company again soon. God bless.